Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jane. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Create American Parenting. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying healthy. We are in the month of March here in 2021. So I hope things are getting better from a lot of different ways, wherever you are, and that we, we've passed some, we have, should have passed some large milestones in the public health uh, debates in sort of undoing a lot of the bad legislation and bad executive actions from the federal government level so that we can all be a little bit less stressed and a little bit anxious as we move towards what we may remember as normal. Uh, also knowing that uh, we're not going back to it. Our guest today is really, really special to me. Uh, he is somebody that I grew up with and went to school with as a junior high school student X number of years ago, probably like 25 years ago or 23 years ago, for those of you that are counting. But he is a uh, somebody that I consider uh, rare, unfortunately rare, a uh, Korean American father who is in the public education space, first as an educator, as a teacher, and now as administrator. So uh, here to tell us a little bit more about our special guest today, here's Jang. Oh, hi, everybody. Um, thank you, William, for coming on, despite your disconnection to Jerry. <laughs> um, so um, I would like you to actually tell us about yourself and your family and your work in your own words, because I thought we figured that would be the best way to introduce yourself. Sure. Um, hi, everybody. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I love this podcast. Um, really briefly, I love this podcast so much because parenting can often feel so siloed and so isolating. Um, that is always true. And then this year has been extra siloed and extra isolating because of all the things that are happening around us. Uh, I think as Jerry mentioned earlier, so uh, this podcast connects uh, so many parents and uh, Korean American parents specifically. So thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, my name is Will Kim. I am the executive director at a small charter middle school in Sunnyvale, California. Sunnyvale is in the South Bay, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I have uh, three just wild little kids, uh, ages six, five, and three. And I am very happily married. <laughs> yeah, that laughter is founded. It is, it is, uh, these are, um, I'm happily married to an Indonesian American wife. Uh, she is a nurse at a hospital here in Pleasanton, California. Wow. So you have three under six years old. <laughs> yeah, three, six and under. Yep. Wow. Um, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a lot to learn. <laughs> um, but I think, I think you could be our host talking about, you know, um, a parenting being a, a silo. I th um, and that's one of the reasons that Jerry and I really started this uh, podcast because we did feel like these are the conversations that maybe each of us are having privately, but not mm. with the um, mass 
population that actually have the same goals and similar situations. So, so I think that's actually really true. And then of course, COVID has been really interesting um, place. But tell me, um, I want to know a little bit about your path to becoming an administrator at a school. Um, like Jerry mentioned before, um, outside of the podcast, that you're a very rare <laughs> um, person to be a Korean American, but also be in education and being the admin side of things. So tell me a little bit how that came about and um, what it what it entails. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. I don't know how much detail to share here, but <laughs> after college, I quite literally didn't know what to do. I don't think that story is unique by any measure. Um, I also don't think it's unique by saying my immigrant parents wanted me to go to med school. Uh, they wanted me to go to law school. And um, the idea that I wanted to become a teacher was just not even on the table because it had never been presented to me as a viable option for me. And actually, in fact, it had been sort of insulted as a profession in general. Um, I, I remember specific conversations uh, with, <laughs> I'm not going to name them, but friends or other people who identify similarly to me <clears throat> were basically saying, oh, you know, these, these students were really, really great. They're straight A students. They're going to go off. They're not going to go off and make a lot of money. They're going to go off and become teachers and sort of like scoffing and dismissing that entire profession. So it really wasn't until, let's see, uh, I was maybe 28, 29 years old. I had left college, didn't know what to do. I was um, entering into, I worked in health insurance at the time uh, at a company called IEHP, Inland Empire Health Plan. Oh, okay. Yeah, super idealistic, wanted to change the world, but like most idealistic people, had no idea how to do that. Jumped into a government-sponsored health program um, and was just quickly surrounded by walls um, and really, really, again, isolated. And I remember a very distinct moment in my office. I had done well and I had gotten promoted. I was a product manager at um, Inland Empire Health Plan. And just feeling, I, I think it was a panic attack. I don't know, right? But it, like my heart was beating out of my chest. I couldn't stop breathing. Um, and just feeling like I just wanted connection with people. And a lot of reflection during that time um, showed me that I, that connection was really valuable. I think, again, not unique, but probably the moments where I'm most happy, where I'm sitting and mentoring folks. Um, at the time, I was doing a lot of church leadership work. So I decided to sort of try my hand at tutoring and or um, teaching. Uh, quit my job. Again, had no idea what to do. Shot out my resume to a bunch of schools. Um, I didn't have my credential at the time, so I, the only schools that would even look at me were private schools. Mm -hmm. um, one private school had called me, and who? This is a story. <laughs> they you called tell. me. Yeah, they they so they called me, <clears throat> and they said, "Hey, we have a science teacher who is going to retire next year. Not open, any openings yet, but could we call you maybe in March or April, and then we'll talk about a job for next year." Um, I said, sure, that's no problem. I'll figure something out until then. The very next week, he called me back and said, hey, our science teacher was in a 
big accident. He is unable to teach for the rest of the year. He's in surgery. He's in recovery. Um, could you come in this tomorrow to interview? And I said, actually, I'm in Hawaii for a wedding. Can I come <laughs> in on Monday? So I, I went Monday after like flying in from Hawaii, like 1130 at night the night before. Woke up really early. It was an hour away. Uh, got there by 7 a.m. thinking I'd <gasps> interview and hear back. Um, did an interview. By 8 a.m., I was introduced to the entire school as the new science teacher <laughs> with literally zero minutes. Well, I'm, I'm laughing so hard. I, I'm trying not to <laughs> Yeah, and so that was my first entry into the classroom um, where I was just sort of like thrown in. Uh, it was a real wild experience. You must have from there. Yeah. thrived, apparently. Well, yeah, I, I have to give that school credit where I, I um, that's where I fell in love with teaching and I fell in love with the classroom and I fell in love with the students. Um, and really sort of the, the direct lever you're pulling on like making an influence on people's lives. Um, and I'll be, I'd be lying if I, if I said it wasn't about like some sort of gratification that I felt. Uh, in the classroom as well, and that immediate sort of response you get that's different from, I think, some other jobs. Um, and also, like, yeah, this this real feeling that you're making an impact mm -hmm. on future generations, yeah. which is real. Um, and the rest is history, kind of. Say, say more about that, because I think you went through a professional mm -hmm. sort of imposter syndrome moment there, right? Like, mm -hmm. just being thrust into it. And imposter syndrome from a personal parenting level is something that we all go through, because... Mm -hmm. Everybody is a first-time parent. I know that's like a hot phrase, but like nobody, like nobody's born a parent. So like, no shit. Like you have to become a first-time parent, and you don't learn. Like there's books, there's parents, there's grandparents. Like everybody wants to tell you, but when we th when we are thrust into parenting, um, what did you learn from that experience that sort of helped you feel like you could do anything that you belong? Because I can't imagine that experience of, hey, am I interviewing for a job? To like, okay. Like here's here's the lecture of the day to a bunch of you know young students who went through a bit of a uh, an, you know a shock of learning about their own teacher and then being like okay who's this who's this young looking guy who's supposed to teach us stuff now like what what, what did you learn there and take us through some of the lessons that still stay with you yeah so um, great question a couple of things come to mind the first is um, actually that trying to fight the isolation that we've been talking about since the beginning of this episode right. Um, <clears throat> teaching, much like parenting, is very isolating. Very often, the only people you're interacting with the entire day are your students. Um, days where you're collaborating and um, working with other teachers and other colleagues is very rare, actually, for a teacher. Um, so actively fighting against that, actively reaching out to other teachers, and just like being, am I doing this right? Or simply, like, can I... Um, can I watch what you're doing? And actually those were probably the most eye-opening for me and the most um, most beneficial for me as an educator, where I was able to just sit down in other people's classrooms who had more experience and more, um, how do I say this? They were just better teachers <laughs> than I was. And just sitting down and like literally writing pages and pages of notes of tips and tricks to steal from these other teachers. Um, so that was something I really, really pushed myself to do since day one, I remember calling my old chemistry teacher from Sunny Hills High School 
Oh, wow. Like yeah. 10 years, 10 years that out. Yeah. And another wild story. Uh, I don't know if it, you, you can cut this out, but I'm going to tell it anyways. I, <laughs> <laughs> I called, called her expecting to leave a polite voicemail and never to hear back again. She picks up and I'm like, whoa, oh, hi, you probably don't remember me. My name is Will Kim. I took your class, I think in 1997, 1998, something like that. Her first question was, what did you get in my class? Like, <laughs> uh, a, A minus, I'm not sure. She's like, okay, we can talk. And then so I started explaining, I'm like day two on a new teaching job. I was sort of thrust in, long-term sub. Can you give me any advice? And she goes on this rant about how teaching is not what it used to be. Teaching is just babysitting these days. There's so much red tape. Mm -hmm can't do what you want to do 10 minutes into this rant she says hey you over there keep it down i'm like are you in class right now <laughs> <laughs> and she's like yes they're taking a test so don't worry i'm like well you know i'll talk to you later thank you so much <laughs> so i hang up the phone and i'm just like oh my anyway so that i i did i really really pushed myself to try to find mentors she clearly was not one of those mentors um, so that was really helpful to me. And the other thing is, and this is just like, I think, a philosophy in general that I, I fully identify with. I fully identify as a lifelong learner. And with that, you have to accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. And that grace for yourself is really, really crucial in the classroom and, again, as a parent. Um, well, in life in general, and I think that's actually um, so important that you said that because I think um, that was the lesson I learned way after lots of life, um, and I felt like I should have known this much e earlier to make my life easier. Um, and I do see that a lot with um, the kids that I interact with now. That everything, like even though it is your first time learning, I have to be perfect. Right, I have to get it the first time and get it right, and uh, should be, you know, the perfectionism that kind of runs through um, really um, eats eats you up in a way, right? And not be able to perform your up to your potential because of that anxiety. So the fact that you actually had that from the get go is pretty amazing to me. Well, I mean, that's very nice of you to say. I don't know if I offered, I mean, I still have anxiety around the moves that I'm making and I reflect about what I said to my son and my daughter, you know, and, and there's a lot of reflection there. But um, yeah, uh, I, it's something that we're all trying to offer ourselves more grace and trying to be better parents, better teachers. Before we're talking about your own fatherhood experience, mm -hmm. what would you want parents to know about what you guys are going through as a school, as a group of teachers, as administrators? Because obviously there's a lot of angst on both sides and, and misunderstanding, understandably so, and a challenge that is so confusing and ever-changing given federal, state, local restrictions of yeah. who can go, who can't go. Um, parents obviously are also understandably stressed, as you are um, as, as a father, in trying to balance work and um, safety and uh, child care. Um, what are some conversations that you're having inside your own team and in the, in this, in the teacher world? that you'd like for parents to know uh, to help bridge those gaps a little bit? Yeah, um, great question. It's, it's interesting, you know, uh, I, I, my job right now, um, a lot of it has to do with communications with families. And I find that the family's awareness and sort of like their, le their ability to put themselves in teacher's shoes uh, varies a lot. And I, that might be like 
you know, the most obvious statement of the year. But that's probably what comes up for me the most when when thinking about what do I want families to know. I want families to know that our teachers are just people trying their best. Like that's really it. And it is so hard. <laughs> it is so hard for them. When that, you know, and not dismissing the experience of families right now and parents right now and students. And we acknowledge that and talk about that constantly. But our teachers are also really, really stressed right now and carrying so much burden on themselves to like do best by the kids and try to emulate as best they can what a normal quote unquote school year would look like um, via Zoom, right? Like sort of cramming and funneling the entire school experience into like a 15 inch LED is, well, it's impossible. Um, the teachers are doing an incredible job um, of doing what they can. Um, they're just, yeah, they're doing their best. Is, so forgive me, because you guys are in California and I'm not. Are schools actually virtual the whole time right now, or what's going on? There's a variety of situations, uh, depending on which county you're in, and really the school specifically. Um, our network, we have 15 schools in the Summit Public Schools network. We are 100% virtual right now. Yeah. That's really hard on both kids' position and the teacher's position. I think it's... Um, I've had a lot of kids that don't really have a lot of problems in school, having a lot of attention problems, um, you know, not getting worked on. Mm. Um, but it's not because there's anything wrong with them. It's just the screen time. I mean, I get distracted too, right, if yeah. I'm on it. So. Yeah. And particularly with, you know, screens and the Internet, I mean, there's huge billion-dollar companies who are literally – working day and night to figure out how to best get your attention, notifications, pop-ups, whatever it is, right? Uh, and these poor sixth graders, these 11-year-olds are sitting there battling <laughs> and like getting yelled at by their parents and their teachers saying like, hey, why aren't you focusing and doing your work? What happened to your checkpoint? You know, whatever it is. And I think we all just deserve more grace. Um, and there was a lot of that conversation, I think, around March, April, and May. Um, and now, like 11 months later, I, I feel like that conversation has sort of died down, but it's probably more deserving now than it was, you know, when it was two, three weeks into the pandemic. I think it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, um, giving yourself grace and giving other people grace. And, you know, you're going to make mistakes. This is all new for everybody, all involved, right? So. I want to ask you about your own sort of your your own kids and your own balance at home. Uh, you know, thank you to your wife and all the other healthcare workers who are mm. dealing with insanity and incompetency and just mm. you know just madness, right? And now with vaccine distribution, uh, my wife is in the thick of it, and it's just like I, I know exactly who made up the rules, and it's ridiculous that you know, like I don't know. I feel like. Any of your students probably could have come up with a better strategy to get all this stuff out, right? But anyway, it's it's been a challenging year. Um, you know, uh, you you are uh, going to work obviously as administrator. She is going to work, you know, obviously as as a nurse. Mm -hmm. Your kids are very young, um, three under six. Uh, when this started, that means you had three under five. That's insane. How have what have you learned? Tell us about some of the things that you know, skills, lessons, memories that you've created, um, particularly as it relates to 
um, sort of the the cultural aspects of both uh, infusing and incorporating the Korean and Indonesian side of your cultures. You know, we will we'll share. Jang and I will share, but you know, we feel like it's this weird gift that we've gotten to be the curator of all their experiences for the first time, perhaps the last time in their lives, where you know, I, we, you know, they don't have teachers, they don't have friends to learn from. It's us. For you guys, given what you guys do, I can't imagine how challenging that is. But um, share with us a little bit about what the last year has been as as father specifically. Gosh, uh, what a hard question, right? Where so to speak to the difficulties of sort of juggling, I think you were alluding to two full-time working parents, um, the education for our children. Um, I mean, how long do we have? I could speak hours about my amazing partner who is basically taking the helm of um, our, our kids' education, right? Um, I have a first grader and a kindergartner. And my kindergartner quite literally doesn't know what her kindergarten classroom looks like. Um, my first grader got a glimpse of it last year, and then uh, obviously in the middle of the year was starting to stay home. So uh, yeah, she has done an amazing job of sort of leading that education at home. They are still students at the local elementary school, um, joining Zoom a few hours a day, and. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm so proud of my partner and a little bit embarrassed about how removed I am from uh, from, <laughs> from their education as a quote unquote educator, right? Um, so I I'm sort of like locked in the guest room, or sometimes I'm here on campus a couple of times a week. Uh, and really, 99% uh, of the questions and the decisions about my kids' own kids' education comes from my partner, um, who I trust obviously wholeheartedly. Um, but it's a little of a bit of a sad reality that I, I cannot, uh, I don't have the time or the bandwidth to be involved as much as I want to be in my kids' education. In terms of like our own identity and um, her Indonesian American background, my Korean American background, and how that plays a role in our education now, or sorry, our kids' education now, um, I actually think our, our students, let me say this, they, my, my kids, classroom does a great job of sort of like bringing that into the fold. And I'm thinking of like an assignment they just completed about um, their family history. And um, for a bit of context, uh, my kids are at a, sort of a multi-grade school within a school program. It's not a public school, um, but all the like K through two meets together and third through fifth grade meets together. And so although they're in first grade and kindergarten, they often have like shared assignments. Um, and the last assignment they had was um, a family tree. And they both had to complete one. They both had to talk about their heritage and uh, introduce some cultural dress. Uh, and they both decided, they were very excited. They're like, hey, you do Korean side and you do the <laughs> Indonesian side. And then we got like separate Zoom calls with my family and talked about like their Korean background. And um, y'all may know how, how this is. Like I am pretty useless when it comes to like filling out a family tree. I, I can talk about like but what are their names? I, I think I know, but I'm not hundred percent sure their their names are literally in my head. Or or you know, Kanapa, that sort of thing. <laughs> um I would have to like look up their actual legal names. Um and then so it was it was a really fun conversation around that about like how we address um our family members for the Korean side. Uh and then 
Um, for the Indonesian side, in my in my partner's family, my partner has um, a ton of cousins, and so like their family tree was just huge. And getting to dig into all of the like cousins, they quite literally have not even met, so didn't even know about, um, and discovering all of that was a lot of fun. That's pretty amazing that um, the kids are able to do that as a school assignment, and so you know you're learning about your own roots and also like family. Like, extended family I, um yeah. yeah that's i i like that a lot yeah and the added benefit of sort of sharing uh with classmates and learning about all of the diversity and i'm very proud to say that our children go to a, a relatively diverse classroom so introduced to a lot of backgrounds and ethnicities inside of this activity so it's great i i think william on sort of i think first of all doing that um family tree project i think is something that we probably should do as you mentioned the because we're such a title-based culture and society um you know even in korea like you call people by where they live right it's like oh la samchun and you're like well, what's his name and you're like no it's just the uncle from la and you're like that doesn't make any sense and like does their name change if they move that's crazy right um <laughs> but there's so much beauty and history and resonance and importance in our names and um and even as, you know, I came here when I was eight, like, um, I actually forgot what my name means, right? Like, I can write it in Hanja because it's repetitive, but, like, I don't know the significance of it. And um, I think we're at that point where, like, we sort of take all that in and go, okay, we have a chance to sort of instill a new generation of uh, Korean culture and, and language sort of experts in our own children, Um and obviously hoping to uh, have them connect with our parents and our extended family a little bit. Um, and so something that we struggle with, uh, you know, is sort of how much Korean versus English, you know, is infused into their day to day, you know, food, customs, um, you know, your family dynamic is even more awesome and lovely because there are two Asian cultures at play. How do you and your wife sort of balance that too? Or are they, are your, are the Kim siblings is going to be, you know, the, uh, or I guess American, uh, Indonesian, Korean cultural language powerhouses because they're going to learn mm -hmm. everything. Like, how do you balance that? And some of the conversations that happen with your your spouse in that regard. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question because it it, it reminds me of like a, basically every time I go to visit family members. Um, for context here, literally all of my siblings, my parents. All of my partner siblings um, and her mom live within like 10 or 15 miles of each other oh. in Southern California. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. And so when we go to visit, we all, it's always a battle of like whose house are we going to stay in? How much time, how many meals are we going to share with like the Korean side? How many, you know, Make a pie chart. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and like, wait, we spent like 12 hours at this house. Now, now do we have to go spend 12 hours and share three meals over here? Um, and so there's literally like like math we're doing, right, to see how much time we're spending with, with each. And again, like, I, I, I don't know. This is becoming like a podcast episode about how much I adore and respect my partner. Um, but she has been so gracious and so flexible. <laughs> Um, around, 
I don't know why I'm like mincing words because I'm, I know I'm speaking to two Korean Americans about how much pride Korean Americans have and how much at times short-sightedness they <laughs> Korean Americans have with other cultures. And I'm just going to be frank about that, yeah. right? Where sometimes they don't realize those differences. And even though my parents are immigrants, um, sometimes they think the whole world is Korean American <laughs> or Korean period. And um, yeah, my partner has been so flexible and so amazing with sort of navigating those worlds. So are you, are you being the kind of the uh, person to navigate that between your parents and your partner or like that, because that can put you in a very kind of difficult situation sometimes. Yeah. I, maybe you have to ask my partner that question. Oh, um, we're going to have to have I, another <laughs> part B to this episode. Um, I, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I don't feel like I, I need to play with a lot of that tension. And I, I think that really is credit to my partner in terms of like just how flexible and how gracious she is um, and how much maybe I don't even see about like uh, how much she has to sort of give and, and go, you know, go, go in the moment with our culture. Mm -hmm. yeah. So in a way, having that supportive, flexible um, partner, I, I, I think I, I can only assume that she's doing it, you know, for you, but also for her kids, right? for your kids. Right, because they they need to have both kind of uh, families um, in a good position where they can learn about their um, dual identity. Well, now triple, yeah. right? Yeah. I think we've well established you're you're a great dad, you're a great partner, and over overall, just an awesome human being who's now dedicated his professional life to um, helping other families thrive. But dad to dad, I, I want to ask you some things that you know always bother me, and I know we've we've talked offline a little bit about this too, like. How do we bring others along? You, you and I have grown. It's true. Jang, Jang just almost spit out her coffee recording this. But um, I mean, to, to give you full context for the listeners out there, William and I grew up in Fullerton, which is the most Korean place outside of Korea, uh, statistically and as a lived in experience. We went to school with a lot of folks. We grew up with a lot of folks um, who are still, um, as second generation Korean American fathers, just observing um, what we see on the Internet and just knowing what we know. Um, still have traditional dad values of those are not things that dads do. Those are things that wives do. And so, you know, um, we're going to participate in social activities on the weekends, like playing golf all the time. And like, you know, just really, you know, perpetuating some of the stereotypes that we grew up with under our first generation fathers. Um, and I'm not saying we're any better. We're just doing what we think is best. And um, perhaps, you know, it's uh, a li little judgment on my end, but, you know, when we when we hear stories, particularly from our, our partners and their friends and some of their communities on some of the challenges of your stereotypical Korean man slash dad who isn't as involved, who isn't as helpful, who isn't as engaged, you know, part of doing this show from my perspective and me being very adamant about having as many dads as we can get on this show is I'm not saying I'm any better, but I'm saying, yo, let's bring each other along. And maybe you didn't have a good role model as a dad. You know, my dad was awesome, but there's a lot of things that I, I will never do that he did. Right. And just trying to learn from him. And, and I don't, I'm sure, you know, my kid's going to grow up and be like, Appa was good, but shit, I don't want to do half the things he did. And that's evolution. And that's cool. But what, what do you want to say to some of our, our, our fellow Korean American dads out there or, you know, other dads who are raising Korean American children on, 
um, sort of, you know, how we can all collectively as a, as a group of men be better for our kids, for our partners, um, and for, for each other. Man, I love that question so much. Um, it reminds me of, uh, I think, a TikToker who's blowing up right now. Um, <laughs> the guy who always starts, hey, I'm your Korean dad. Oh, yeah, Nick. Nick, Nick, Cho. Nick Cho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's actually here in the Bay Area as well. He's in San Jose, really close to us. Uh, never met the guy, but I love, 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 love his channel because he is a wildly popular character that's so antithetical to a stereotypical immigrant dad, right? Um, and at least for me, I was watching this guy and just like, just really loving his personality and just thinking how different he is from basically every single Korean dad that I've ever met. Right? <laughs> uh, and, and I love that he's the sort of like growing face and voice of Korean dads, quote unquote. Um, and I, and I also point to this podcast, right? Essentially putting Korean Americans on a pedestal and, and like saying like, Hey, look, like these are amazing folks who are doing amazing work. Let's talk about them. Let's let's put the spotlight on them for a while. And like this is a a subtle tangent, but America is sort of like waking up right now in in light of the summer's protests and all the tragedies that have happened um, well for the last four hundred years, really. But more notably and more um, more visibly on the news in the past few months, right? Um, and a lot of people are sort of asking these questions about their identity and more, more remarkably, they're asking questions about like, how is my truth shaped, right? Who are, who is telling me the stories that have molded this sort of worldview in my head? And the more you dig into that question, the more it's obvious that, well, Asian American voices have been absent from that, right? Um, and so this Korean American parenting podcast, um, Asian Americans in, in general, I, I, I think are starting to sort of, sort of step up and realize that, hey, we have something to say and we have something to contribute. Um, this, and here we are. And, and so I, I think this is a beautiful thing. And um, I truly, truly believe in the collective genius. And I, I think that only works if we're able to see and, and collaborate with each other. And so really that's a, that's a compliment to this podcast itself and uh, to the storytelling that you all are doing. And Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, you know, this is not a judgment against our parents, right? I mean, we, we say this show, on the show all the time. Like our grandparents literally were born into an occupied country. They couldn't speak their own language. Then they went through war, lost siblings, lost friends, actually saw death. Yep. Then they were poor in the middle of a bunch of military coups. Then they had chits, a lot of them back then. And then like in their lifetime, saw them grow up to be whoever, then had to ship their kids off and their grad kids off to a different country. Mm-hmm. That's in our lifetime. That's in their lifetime. And then to be like, oh, now, you know, now these kids want to talk about like uh, mental health and self-actualization. For them... Get out of here, right? Like yeah. we try to we 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 just we just wanted to live. Yeah. And so like we have to also understand that that's that's the context from where we were born. Um, but I think and, I think yeah. our generation, like Will said, I think we want to be heard now, right? Yeah. Like we want to as a collective mind, we want to be heard. And I think Jerry and I were just having this conversation that a lot of uh friends, 
in our generation uh, like to tell stories of us um, because that's what needs to be done yeah. in order to make it to the history right? The, yeah. the bigger history. So. Awesome, man. I, we, we've covered so much, really, man. I want to thank you and, and your uh, your team over at Summit for uh, allowing you this time. Um, one, one last thing that I would love for you to share with our audience, uh, younger audience, how do we inspire us, your audience, so that we can inspire our children to want to do what you do? Because teaching people, especially younger folks as an educator, is such an honorable profession. It's not one that many Asian Americans choose in general. And in particular, the gender balance is way off, right? And so how do we encourage other uh, our, our children, particularly uh, the boys, to want to become teachers? Um, the way I think about it is this, Jerry. Uh, I used to teach physics in the classroom, and I'd often... <laughs> I'd often talk to my students about, hey, so close your eyes, imagine the color green in your head, right? And kids are like, you know, give me a thumbs up if you're able to do that, all of them are able to do that. Close your eyes, imagine the color red in your head, and all of them are able to do that. And then I say, close your eyes, imagine a color you've never seen before. That's quite literally impossible. Like our brains cannot do that. And I think, well, that doesn't extend very cleanly, but I think it says something about what we're able to sort of project and what we're able to envision for ourselves as well. In other words, if we've never seen somebody that looks like us in the classroom, or we've never seen somebody that looks like us in college, or if we've never seen somebody that looks like us as a CEO or as a doctor, whatever, you know, the list goes on, it's very possible that our students, our future generation, cannot envision themselves in that same space, right? And speaking again to like the storytelling and the media and the movies, it is so important that our students see themselves reflected uh, and our children see themselves reflected in role models in every industry, um, teaching included, right? And teaching is a, a very obvious one because these are maybe, these teachers are maybe spending more time with our students than parents even. Um, for the bulk of the day, for a large part of their childhood. So they're very, very influential. And I think for that reason alone, just to like lead our students and our children into the future, you know, be that role model for them um, is what I was going to say. Thank you. Representation really matters. And also, even if you're not a teacher, find your teacher friends. And we're all in Zoom world now. Like <laughs> volunteer to just jump in and like have a Q&A. Like, you know, you've got time. Your teacher friends will love you because it's probably like one less day of lesson planning and they can just, you know, turn off their microphones and just relax for a little bit too. Yep. You know, we, we've done that for other schools and, you know, teacher friends of ours and for, for, for the adults that are listening too. like you get you learn so much about yourself when uh, you have to explain what you do so a 10 year old can understand it. But you have to, you know, just bring it down to their level and simplify without all the buzzwords. And then, you know, they'll look at you and the way that they ask you questions just it will change the way I think you even view your own profession and your own, you know, whatever it is that you do. You know, I, I know it's been uh, more than 20 years since I've seen you, William. I don't know when the next time we'll see you each is because who knows when COVID will go on. But uh, from, from afar, uh, really respected the career journey that you've taken. Um, appreciate you taking the time to share your story and inspiring me and Jang and all of our listeners on um, what, what a current American father and a teacher looks like 
in our world. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. I want to thank our guest and for you for joining us today as we share our stories and our perspectives along our own Korean American parenting journeys. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Korean American Parenting and be sure to check out our website, KoreanAmericanParenting.com to learn more about the podcast, about us, and about our community. Please take a moment to rate and review this episode if you are listening to us on Apple and share this episode and this podcast with a friend or two in your life who you think would benefit from listening to us. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We wish you all the health and happiness as we go along our parenting journeys together. And we'll see you next time on the Korean American Parenting Podcast.